Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Fritz Cast. It's Friday, August 30th, 2019. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost September. Something big happens in September for me. <laughs> that's that's every day. That's every day waking up. It's just uh, me and the missus wake up every day now going, huh. Could be any day now. Could be any day now. I think I mentioned that last week. I'm not, <laughs> not entirely sure that I did, but I think I did. And if I didn't, well, then I'm telling you now. <laughs> that is how life goes. Sitting at 30, 39 weeks, and uh, the due date is September 4th. And typically, traditionally speaking, uh, uh, statistically speaking, I don't know how you would phrase that word. I don't, uh, it's too early in the morning, even though it's actually almost 11 a.m. Uh, it's, it's still too early for me to, to formulate my words on that. Uh, what, 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 what was I, uh, oh yeah, so, uh, statistically, first time pregnancies, Tend to go past the due date. Tend to go at, uh, what do they say, 41 weeks, typically. I mean, honest to God, at this at this point, baby comes when baby comes, period. <laughs> Unless it goes too far. If it goes too far, then they have all these you know, fun little labor-inducing techniques and all that jazz to go through. But, uh... You know, everything so far is uh, is happy and healthy. It's just a waiting game now, and and if you're if you're like me, if you're like, if you're like me, if you're like my wife, uh, waiting sucks. <laughs> that's that's the uh, the bad bit. Waiting sucks. Period. And uh, you know that's what we do. We sit around and we wait and we wait. And it's amazing what all that waiting does to you. It gives you, it almost, it like, I liken it to cabin fever almost, where you've just been in the house for too long, and you're like, I gotta get out, I gotta go do something. Um, that That's what I liken it to. Uh, very, very, very similar to that. Uh, it's like... It's like when you know you have a big concert coming up or a big vacation and you just want to get there. You just want to get there. And then, of course, when you do get there, it doesn't last long enough. Now, uh, the I guess the caveat here is that this is going to last for at least 18 years. So so there's a, like a good chunk of life ahead that, uh, <laughs> that a kid affects. So uh, Earlier this week, too, I updated the database. If you don't read... The database, it's fritzcastdatabase.wordpress.com. Of course, I can always link it in the description of this podcast, which I will do. But my latest entry on that was being prepared because you're never ready. And rather than taking away from your opportunity to read it, I'm not going to read any of it, but it's on fritzcastdatabase.wordpress.com. You can read all about that. It was pretty much... My, my uh, documenting, my documenting of uh, 
how so many people in this discussion, I mean, like, say you're in a relationship right now, all right, and you and your significant other have discussed the possibility of having kids, all right? This is something that couples do. This is something that happens. For some people, it just happens. (laughs) And it's not even a discussion. But typically speaking, it is a discussion. It's a topic that comes up and you talk about it. And for 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 years, for me, it was a, you know, nah, we got to meticulously plan this thing out. We have to think about this. We have to be strategic with it. And, you know, a lot of it is in this guise of trying to be ready for it. That's a lot of... There's a lot of things in life that you can attempt to be, quote, ready for. And, you know, I hate to break it to you, but probably like 90% of of life isn't something that you're going to be ready for, per se. A lot, of this, a lot of those things that you're trying to be ready for are things that you're going to adapt to, or things that you're going to evolve to. Not just be ready for it. And I mean, you can think about this over courses, uh, over over different events that have happened in your life so far. You know, uh, there's probably many people listening right now who are either in college or went to college and could argue, just like I could argue about my college days and experience, that uh, you might not have actually been ready for it. You might have not had, when I got a driving permit at 15 years old, I, you know, I don't think I was ready for it, per se. But I adapted to it, and I got used to it, and then I, you know, here I am today, driving and all that, but, you know, that's something that pops into mind when I think about it, like... Thinking back on on something like that, thinking back on college, I wasn't ready for college. I totally wasn't ready for college. You know why? Because I went into college undeclared, no major, not sure what I was going to do, but I was doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. That's not being, that's not being ready for it, and it's not being prepared for it either. Either, that's just doing it. No thought whatsoever. I mean, you could put thought into stuff. You can think about it, you can try to plan it, but being ready for something, you know, were you ready to take on that job that you took? Were you ready to start driving? Were you ready to go to college? Were you ready to have kids? Some of it, you can't be ready for. You just can't be ready for everything. And not in the sense of there's some ideal time, you know, for some people, some people might argue against me, which is perfectly fine. You can argue against me all you want. But if you try to plot out the quintessential perfect time to have kids, uh, I don't think it comes. I don't think there is like that quintessential perfect time where you're just like, yeah, we're ready for it. We're ready for it. We're definitely ready for it. You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it at all. You don't even know what you're getting into. So that's what... That blog entry was about. And I think it's actually a good one. Uh, So check it out. All right, check it out. There's something else I want you to check out too. My buddy Tim 
Shout out Tim. Tim from York, Pennsylvania, who also runs uh, Foxwood Run Farms, and uh, he's, he's a farmer. He's a big time guy. I got to get him on the program. That's what I got to do. Maybe, maybe Tim. Maybe we set that up. Know what I mean? Uh, he he got me onto this uh, interesting program. Mind you, now this is not an ad or anything. I don't do ads. I don't have. This isn't a monetized podcast or anything like that. So it's not. This isn't supposed to be like you know. And we're brought to you today by. This is something that I'm doing too. Uh, it's called Podcoin. It's a podcasting catcher app of sorts, much like Apple Podcasts or. Uh, Spotify, uh, Google, whatever you listen to a podcast on, that's what this it, that's what this program is. You can listen to Fritzcast on on this program, believe it or not. But uh, you you also you earn credits listening to podcasts. What you earn credits listening to podcasts? I even earn credits for people that listen to my podcast through this app, and you can get points. Uh, for every 10 minutes of podcast that you listen to, you get one point, and your points can add up into things like $3 Dunkin' Donut gift cards. Like 1,500 points can get you a $3 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Uh, 2,000 points can give you a $5 Starbucks card, which, you know, I mean, I get it. Uh, a $5 Starbucks card literally is maybe one cup of coffee from Starbucks, but it's a cup of coffee that you didn't have to actually pay for, huh? And all you did was listen to podcasts. Uh, you can get other stuff, too. There's Amazon gift cards, AMC gift cards, Target. Uh, you can give and donate to cons- causes like ending world hunger, fighting global warming, if you believe in that thing, uh, feeding rescued animals, fighting childhood cancer. There's a, there's a host of stuff. And then there's long-term goals, too. You can keep banking up these points. And you can get a $15 Starbucks card. Ooh, your one cup of coffee just turned into three cups of coffee. Damn. And you can get $20, you know, Amazon cards. You can get Uber cards. You can get uh, the, the possibilities are endless. Not really endless, but, you know, they're there. It's, you know, it's a, it's, a neat, it's a nifty little program. And I'm going to provide a link in the description, as I always do. Of how you can sign up, and how you can get bonus points, and I can get bonus points, and we all win. We all just win. But I'm checking it out, all, and literally, you just earn points for listening to podcasts. And then you can get a cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. If a Dunkin' Donuts is where you live. Because correct me if I'm wrong here, but those of you on like the West Coast don't get to experience Dunkin' fever like we do on the East Coast. I don't think you do. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Which is a little baffling if you think about it. Because Dunkin' Donuts, it, you, well, now it's just Dunkin'. My bad. It's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. It's just Dunkin'. Mmm, it's a highbrow coffee and donut shop. It's not Dunkin' Donuts. It's just Dunkin'. So... Uh, it used to be the slogan was America runs on Dunkin'. I think it still is, but it, it's that, that's not true. <laughs> if it's not everywhere, if it's not everywhere, it's not true. Unless we're talking about how Wawa is the best chain gas convenience shop like ever. 
then it's true. Although my sister Anne might argue about QT being something. Who? What is even a QT? QT cutie. Oh, hey, that's it's kind of cute, but not really. I digress, though. You know what? One of the big things that has been going on over this past week, really on social media like Twitter and uh, some of some of the some of the online political commentary slash news, not really news, though, like the garbage sites, you know, vice isn't news. It's garbage. It's hot, flaming garbage. It is a dumpster fire of leftist ideas. That's what it's. That is what Vice is, and that's what Paste Magazine is, and that's what all these other, you know, they, they seem to be kind of like the whole millennial, like, this is, this is smart news, this is what we're talking about, this is like relevant stuff. And almost all of them, almost every single one of these websites has a hit piece out on Dave Chappelle right now. <laughs> and you know why they have a hit piece out on Dave Chappelle. He has a brand new Netflix special, which I haven't even been, I haven't been given the opportunity to watch it yet. I have seen about a dozen clips, so I might have actually seen the whole content, the whole context of the content, but I've seen so many different clips from this thing and all that. They've written hit pieces on Dave Chappelle because you're not allowed to be funny anymore. It's really it's really funny because I have friends on Facebook, I have friends from high school who love Dave Chappelle's stuff. From from growing up, it was a staple while we were growing up, just like South Park was a staple while we were growing up, just like Family Guy was a staple while we were growing up. And these all these things have in common being uh rambunctious, controversial, uh non-PC stuff. That is a central theme of literally everything I just mentioned, and it includes a host of other things, too. Of programming that we just loved. Growing up, probably inappropriate, probably wasn't what we should have been watching, honest to God. But that they were cornerstones in our prepubescent and... Uh, those days that was this was staple content everybody was watching it everybody was quoting it some of us never really got over it you know brian some of us you know still talk like we like it you know my stewie is god awful now but all this content it was it was it was great content because the creators of this content did not care about being controversial. They didn't they didn't drop maybe I'm going to say that phrase wrong, but they they didn't pull their punches. Everybody got hit equal. Everybody got hit equally. Every every group, every demographic, every sexual orientation got hit the same. There was no untouchable segment for them to not go after. Family Guy went after everything for a while. Family Guy predicted Bruce Jenner before Bruce Jenner was a thing. <laughs> or they predicted Caitlyn Jenner, I should probably say, not Bruce. But they predicted that whole thing before it was even speculated. 
And they did it multiple times. The only times that, like, the literally, the only thing I can't think about people not pulling these punches. I think I remember Seth MacFarlane joking about um, Harvey Weinstein in the Oscars. In fact, I found it. She's better than Meryl Streep. Who, who, who says that? I don't know. Nobody. A lot of people. <laughs> Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> that was years ago now, literally, because it's 2019. It's almost 2020. That was. It's hard to think how long ago that joke was made by Seth MacFarlane. But a lot of people now would probably look at it and go, wow, that's such a disgusting joke. Why would Seth make such a joke like that? And he actually tweeted it out a while back. We're talking like 2017-ish, whatever. Uh, he tweeted out, quote, in 2011, my friend and colleague Jessica Barth, with whom I worked on the TED films with, confided in me regarding her encounter with Harvey Weinstein and his attempted advances. She has since courageously come forward to speak out. It was with this account in that in mind that when I hosted the Oscars, Oscars in 2013, I couldn't resist the opportunity to take a hard swing in his direction. Make no mistake, this came from a place of loathing and anger. There is nothing more abhorrent and indefensible than abuse of power such as this. And then he went on to respectfully applaud Jessica Barth and a number of other women coming forth outing Weinstein as a piece of shit as he is. It was comedy taking swings at a horrendous person. Comedy taking swings at a horrendous person, horrendous situations, and I'm certain some people probably had a 50-50 reaction to Seth MacFarlane when he cracked such a joke. Some of them might have had a sigh of relief that, you know, hey, somebody might actually be noticing what's going on. Somebody might actually be willing to take swings, take a bat at Harvey Weinstein. I don't know, because some people might have equally saw it and thought it was disgusting. But that's the whole thing about comedy, is that it really is situational and it really is dependent on how one views it and how one interprets it. So you have all these hit pieces coming out on Dave Chappelle because he held no punches at his recent comedy stand-up. Some of the stuff I've heard. And some of it is hilarious. Some of it is hilarious, especially this little clip that's going about, that's going around about the audience and how the audience is. Just listen to this. The next one's a little harder. I want to see if you can guess who it is I'm doing an impression of. All right, let me get into character. You got to guess who it is, though. <clears throat> okay, here it goes. Uh, duh, hey, duh, if you do anything wrong in your life, duh, and I find out about it, I'm going to try to take everything away from you. And I don't care what I find out. Could be today, tomorrow, 15, 20 years from now, if I find out you're fucking duh, finished. Who, who's that? Everybody says That's Trump. That's you. That's what the audience sounds like to me. That's why I don't 
been coming out doing comedy all the time because y'all niggas is the worst motherfuckers I've ever tried to entertain in my fucking life. And I have to just, I ha- I laughed hysterically the first time I saw that because it's so true. It is so true. First off, everybody's reaction to his little tirade was, oh, that's Trump. Ha <laughs> ha, it's Trump. No, that's how triggered you are by Trump. That's how that's how everything has to revolve and involve politics. That's why you said Trump first and not not just looking around at everybody else and going, "Oh yeah, it's everybody. It's everybody." Dave Chappelle goes on a tirade about other things too in this stand-up special. And I've seen some of the more quote controversial Ones that he said that people are pointing out as incredibly offensive and not funny. And uh, and that's the whole, just first off, pump your brakes. Because this goes back to another good argument as well. If you don't like Dave Chappelle, if you know his line of comedy and you don't like it, well, then you don't watch it on Netflix. Because this isn't something that's just going to randomly turn on TV. This is a Netflix special. So you have to actually go to the button for it, click it, and turn it on. So, if you know that's not your thing, or you're watching it and you really do get offended and you don't like it, you turn it off and you go about your business. But that's not the world we live in. If you recall a couple episodes ago, the world we live in is the one where you see plates that are quote-unquote fat-shaming, and you go on a tirade on social media and you tell Macy's that you don't like it, and then they pull it from their shelves so that nobody can buy it, so that you win, and nobody else can experience it because you think it's bad. That's what we have here. That's what we have here. We have numerous pieces. You can probably just Google Dave Chappelle right now, and you'll get half a dozen articles. Now there's more of a balance out there. But at the beginning of this week, most of them were negative against Dave Chappelle from websites like Vice and websites like Paste, and they're all hot garbage. Like, everything written about them is literally just somebody's opinion about why Dave Chappelle is a douchebag and you shouldn't watch this special. And it should... Some of them were even calling for it to get pulled from Netflix. That's the culture that we live in. And I applaud Dave Chappelle for standing up and hitting it with a hammer. I really do, because that's what we need more. We need more Dave Chappelle's being bold, making fun of everybody. I swear, in talking with a couple different people on the internet about this, I really, really wonder what George Carlin would say about it all. Because, and it's funny, because a lot of my friends from high school, a lot of my former associates, are progressive lefties. But they are progressive lefties in the vein that they don't like these magazines and these online tabloids. That's all I can really call them. Because Vice isn't worth a damn. Vice isn't worth a damn. Paste isn't worth a damn. Uh, not to me, at least, anyway. They're just answers to to extreme right-wing blogging websites like 
and, and, and other formats and medias. So it's just it's just the it's the whirlwind of, you know, extreme opposites or whatever. But some of my high school friends who are of that vein of, you know, I'm going to I'll say they're, you know, staunch Bernie Sanders democratic socialists. Even they are turned off by these vice articles and people hitting Chappelle over the head, but my whole convey to them when I talk to them is like I hope you realize it's like I'm glad you're standing up against more or less your side trying to eviscerate these people and eviscerate the stuff in their own totalitarian authoritarian way like I'm I I applaud my friends for standing up and calling it ridiculous because I don't think enough of us do that I don't think enough enough people do that. They kind of do the same for me when I stand up and criticize both sides of the aisle because I this happens on Twitter every day. I watch my follower count. All right? I watch people who are dead maga love Trump. Would never criticize him. Follow me. And I don't understand why they follow me. It's because they see a tweet of me going after Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Elon Omar or uh, Bernie Sanders or any other left or Democrat thing. They might see my one tweet on me talking about the DNC and how they hate Tulsi Gabbard or something. And so they'll follow me. Not knowing that my very next tweet that'll go out will be something about how Donald Trump is a ridiculous baby. And it's really funny to watch. It's really funny to watch those people almost instantaneously think, I'm going to follow that guy? Oh no, I'm not. He's making fun of Donald Trump too. What the hell? Now that's not everybody. That's not everybody that has MAGA hashtag in their profile or whatever. But it's... Really, it's funny to me how people play that whole one-sided, this is a team game thing with our political system. I really, it, it baffles me. It truly does baffle me, you know. Another prime example of that would be uh, at a Bernie Sanders rally. Uh, at a Bernie Sanders rally... Somebody got up and asked a question about, and they mentioned the passing of David Koch, and his audience uh, applauded. His audience applauded, you know, when he was like, you know, now that we have billionaire oligarch David Koch who's passed away, and the audience started clapping, you know, like, you know, celebrating the death, and, and Bernie Sanders... I completely condemned them from it. Pleasure to be here, Fritz. Pleasure to have uh, be on the program. Yeah, well, yep. Yeah, welcome, Bernie Sanders, again. Welcome uh, to the program. I, I, you know, let me play the clip real quick. Mega donor David Koch. It happened while Sanders was taking questions at the Minnesota State Fair. Here's a look. Yesterday, oligarch uh, David Koch passed away, and we're going to be dealing with his. Uh, we're going to be dealing with pollution and the radicalization of his politics. I don't applaud, you know, the, the, the death of somebody. We, we needn't do that. I think what we can say is that the Koch brothers and other billionaires 
because of this disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, have been able to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to elect candidates who represent the wealthy and the powerful and the fossil fuel industry, which is where the Koch brothers made a lot of their money. So that was the that was the clip, and that was your response to yeah. the situation. Yep, and uh, you know we needn't do that. Uh, I absolutely, I absolutely, I eviscerated that crowd for for doing uh, such a thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say you eviscerated them. You, I, I do applaud you for standing up and saying, "Don't do that. That's bad." But I think you could have been just just a smucks dinning harsher. For that, perhaps uh, smocks dinning harder for bashing Citizens United and the billionaire class being able to donate all these all this money for the fossil fuel industry and all this stuff against uh, 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 against our environment. Well, you know, maybe, but I don't want to keep you too long. Any updates from from the field, Bernie? While while I have you on here. Uh, well, you know, uh, we're getting ready for another debate. Uh, you know, some people didn't qualify for this debate. Uh, some people, uh, Christian Gildebrand, uh, she dropped out of the race. She's gone. Uh, she's yesterday's news. There's no reason to really talk about it. Uh, really, in all honesty, this race comes down to uh, Joe Biden, uh, myself, uh, Elizabeth Warren. And uh, maybe, maybe, if she's lucky, Kamala Harris. Well, you know, I think there might be a little bit more than that than that you're willing to admit. Uh, reading from CNBC, published a mere 22 hours ago. Uh, ABC News is going to be doing this. Democratic debate set for September 12th in Houston, Texas. It'll feature only 10 candidates in one night, as opposed to the earlier debates, which split 20 candidates over two nights. Some Democrats have hammered the National Party over the debate qualifying process. I want to get your thoughts on that in just a little bit. Uh, The candidates, as ordered by their standing in real clear politics national polling average, we have Joe Biden, former vice president. We have yourself, Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont. You can't be listed as an independent from Vermont if you're in the Democratic debates. I've prided myself on being an independent candidate. I'm an independent candidate. I'm just using the Democratic platform to make things a little easier. Yeah, man. Pick pick independent or Democrat, man. Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. Senator Kamala Harris from California. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Entrepreneur... Andrew Yang, who you and him have exchanged hits over the last couple of days. Cory Booker from New Jersey. Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. Former Representative Beto O'Rourke. Former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, who last week I almost called Fidel. I apologize for nothing. Senator Amy Klobacher from Minnesota. Notably, Warren will get her first chance to share the debate stage with Joe Biden, and you guys. It'll be a a very interesting debate. Uh, But Democrats have hammered the Democratic National Committee over the debate qualifying process. Uh, Now I'm reading from USA Today. uh, Quote, the Democratic National Committee sets rules for candidates in order to qualify for each debate. While the first two rounds saw 20 candidates each split into two nights of 10 candidates each. 
The September 12th debate criteria resulted in a much narrower pool. The guidelines for the third debate were announced in May, and 10 candidates qualified. We already read the 10 candidates. Continuing in the article, though, candidates needed to receive donations from at least 130,000 unique donors coming from at least 20 different states with at least 400 donors per state. And candidates needed to poll at 2% or higher in at least four qualifying national or early primary state surveys. Uh, in the later, in the latter criterion, Gabbard takes issue with. It is the later criterion that Gab that Gabbard Tulsi Gabbard, your constituent or your colleague Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii, uh, takes issue with. She passed the donor threshold, but did not rake up enough qualifying polls with only two, according to 538. The DNC mandates that the polls must be conducted by any four of 16 different organizations, which include the likes of the Associated Press, Fox News, Quinnipiac University, and USA Today. More than one poll from the same organization cannot count unless they are conducted over different geographic regions. Tulsi Gabbard was quoted saying, quote, there's a whole bunch of different polls that have come out. The DNC has only recognized some of them as being qualifying polls for the debate. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, the process has not been perfect. You know, uh, back in 2015 when I was running for president against Secretary Clinton, uh, I had a lot of criticisms against superdelegates, which, of course, now you know we don't have superdelegates anymore than the thing of the past. We... The, bur the, the, the burden burned them. We burned all the superdelegates. They're gone. But now we have this polling issue. And I mean, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, she, she's not polling above 2%. Uh, and that is wherein her problem lies. And some of it has been the fact that she has critics such as Kamala Harris who is very powerful and will say that she just likes dictators. And I think that's unfair. Yes, Kamala Harris did, uh, well, she kind of came out high and mighty and she said something along the lines of, I guess they're pulling at 2%. They're, of course they're taking swipes at me because I'm, I'm uh, a prosecutor and I put people, I lock people up for smoking weed, but I've never smoked weed, you know. Huh. Whatever, America's prosecutor. But Tulsi Gabbard is now criticizing the method in which the DNC uses the polling data. Some of that might be arbitrary arguments. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent convinced on that. I'm not sure about that. Especially because Tulsi Gabbard right now is on two weeks of fulfilling her service. She's on two weeks of doing her National Guard service, and she can't campaign right now. She can't really come out and answer any of these questions. She can't really fight against the process because she's a little busy actively serving in the military. Agreed, and th that is another part of this equation that I don't think works out very well, and I think that we could do better. 
Well, Bernie, I thank you for, for coming on the program. Any last words, anything else that you need to throw in there? No, I think that'll, I, I think that'll do it. Uh, you know, I think this was actually a very good conversational, you know, uh, piece that we did. You're, are you sure that you don't have anything else to add? No, I, I, I think that is literally all that we, I mean, I mean, what, what, what are you getting at? You're really not going to do it. Do what? I, I, what are you talking about? I, you know, I, you, you call me up to do the show, to call from the campaign trail, and that's what I'm doing. And, and, and I, I thought we, I just thought we had a good discussion right there. You, yeah, no, I, we did, and I, I enjoyed it. I'm very glad that you, that you have, for whatever reason, allowed me to have you on tap. But I, very good. you don't that's, have, you don't well, have I mean, anything what, to say what, about. What are, what are you getting at? Um, what to say about what? Just the the, uh, the you know the, the, what, well, what I mean if you about? just let me I mean the thing what what thing are you talking about the Medicare for all Bernie you always say something about Medicare for all don't you have anything to say about Medicare for all right now oh uh, you know what you know I I thought I was you know I thought I was just going to leave it at that but you know I'm really glad for it that you brought up Medicare for all because now finally you have brought up Medicare for all. And maybe we can have a good discussion on this because we're not talking about the Republican talking points about Medicare for All. Oh, my God. I got con. You know what, guys? That's all I have time for no, today. No, no, no. Thank you for it. listening to no, the Fritzcast. No, you can catch me on Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast, Fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com if you need to talk to me. And on Twitter at FritzQS. I have links in the description for everything today. Don't listen to the man behind the curtain and all that. We're not going to talk about that right now. And I'll catch you guys maybe next week. But my baby could be born, so it, it might be up in the air. Just keep your eyes peeled. Uh, are you see? You, you locked off. You. Well. Yeah. Well. Uh, this is awkward. Um, I've never really done a, a libertarian podcast before. Um, September twelfth, Houston, Texas. Birdman headlining the debate of the century against Joe Biden, my friend Elizabeth Ward. It'll be a slobber knocker. So watch it. I believe he said it's on ABC. Check it out and feel the bird. <laughs>